0: The truth is of course that there is no journey. We are arriving and departing at the same time. David Bowie. Magdalene enjoyed the life of a consultant artist. It gave her the freedom to take a half day and enjoy the gorgeous weather. Throw in a good book for company and it is near perfection, if one is okay with unpaid an afternoon. Today the trade-off was the best choice, the only choice she could make. Her current book, Yo Confieso, Confessions in English, a large, 1,000 page tome by Jaume Cabre transports her to Barcelona, Spain. One day, she muses, I will visit the Catalan capital and walk the oldest streets in the city, soaking in the ambience. Will it have the same Barca atmosphere as the books? Unlikely. Still, it is a city she needs to experience whether or not reality aligns with her romanticized fantasy. She is reading the Spanish version of the book, a sister language to the original Catalan she plans to one day master, definitely before setting her ass anywhere in Catalonia she will disembark the plane and touch down with her right foot first for good luck. Until then, her visits to the city must be vicarious. She prefers reading books in the original language, where possible, for the nuance is not translatable into English no matter the translator's skill. Romance languages flow fluid with the elan of watercolors, meandering often dancing in the fading, feathered fringes rather than the point the brush touched the paper stock. Whereas English tends to be rigid, stiff-necked. The meaning is the words. The spaces between are just that space, Avoid to avoid when reading. The great romance authors, Jama Pablito, Borges, Marquez, others, encode meaning in the breaths between words, the rivers flowing between sentences. The technique was an exercise in self-preservation. The dictators of their days would summarily kill any foolish enough to shine light on the hidden evils perpetrated by the military juntas on their own people. Poor Pablito paid the price when poisoned by the bootlicker pinochet. Why? to appease their backers in the U.S. government and keep the flow of blood dollars into Latin America. The Americans threw money at anyone preaching against communism or socialism. Thank you, Mama, she whispers, for teach me the language of our ancestors along with English. She flashes back to the last time she saw Mama alive. Mama was sitting on the porch of the house in El Paso in which Magdalene grew up. She waved goodbye as her daughter took the taxi to the airport and moved to Chicago for a promising job and seemingly boundless career potential. There were not a great many career opportunities in tiny El Paso for a promising artist, especially with her ambition. And her proclivity to bisexuality was unwelcome by the good Christian folk. Chicago was liberal with a great many job opportunities. So, Chicago was a logical, if scary, choice. Leaving all you've ever known normally is. In balance, she believes she made the right choice. Today, the weather feels just like an El Paso winter warm and sunny and dry. Well, dry by Chicago standards. Her preference is to sit facing the flower boxes. It also gives her a view of their delicate beauty and the people emerging from the subway. She likes to imagine them colorful butterflies emerging from a massive underground chrysalis after ascending the three sacred thirteen levels of God to bless the world. Because of the sun's angle and not wanting to get a farmer's tan, she decides to sit on the shady side the side facing the Picasso. Is that monstrosity a sitting dog? A fox ready to pounce? No, it looks more like a giant mosquito. A giant shit brown mosquito. Why are both the Picasso and the Daily Center building the color of dried dog shit? There are so many vibrant choices that would make them pop. Picasso was a genius, so the color had to be a message. Perhaps, he was telling Chicago it was a shitty city. Or, if a mosquito, the windbags were, still are, sucking the people dry with high taxes to fund their corrupt regime? He must have no Daily the Elder. The tables are all matte black, many with peeling paint and a patina of rust. She imagines the scene with each table and integral umbrella a different color. Or a repetition of two to three bright colors. Then the center plaza would exude energy to feed the visitor's souls. It would feel a bit like Juarez. The border town, despite its sketchy nature, is clothed in brilliant, eye-catching hues. When she arrived earlier today, after the lunch rush and before the dinner bell, she had the pick of six empty tables on the east side of the plaza. She chose the one near the flower beds allowing her to see the flowers from the umbrella shade. She expected to see bees slurping up the nectar but there were none. There seemed to be fewer and fewer with each passing year. Where had they gone? Were the flowers without scent so no bees would make love to them? Did they, too, exist on polarized ends of the political spectrum making communication impossible? The tables are all occupied now. The plaza invaded by the surge of workers taking very late lunches or leaving their offices earlier than usual to enjoy the respite from the previous week's rains. Chicago weather is known for its volatility. It could very well be snowing tomorrow, so the natives and long-term residents have learned it is best to enjoy the sun whenever it makes an appearance. Thankfully, no one opted to sit at her table. It's common practice for people to grab empty seats at occupied tables. It's an extension of Midwestern friendliness. She feels a shadow pass over her. Had she spoken too soon? The shadow becomes a body, a face. It's a guy. He side eyeballs her as he makes his way toward her table he seems unsure. Why can't I have time without some horny guy approaching me? What will his game be? They all have a game. Christ. To be continued.